0: Good evening everybody, this is Robin Nelson with another edition of Podcast, And my guest is, is comic book writer Jay Sadlin And we're going to be on here talking about his book A wrestling comic called Over the Ropes Which is uh, part of Mad Cave Studios How's it going Jay? Hey, this is Jay Samlin You
1: can find me on Twitter at jaysamlin underscore whn same for Instagram Facebook and my website is jsanlin.com.
0: all right let's let's get into it um, your comic uh, over the rubs is set in a f- uh, fictional war world of sports entertainment and it's about a uh, wrestler a high-flyer Jason Flynn about his battles in the ring and his struggles outside of it
1: yeah Jason Lynn. Uh, Jason Lynn's a high flyer who is uh, taken uh, the role of a jobber in a small Southern promotion. In my fictional version of 1992, uh, it's going to be set in the South, where I am from, and draws on a lot of homages to uh, other wrestling gimmicks of that kind of you know larger than life, cartoonish era that we had in the early to mid 90s on our programming.
0: Hey, that's pretty good as well. Speaking of Southern, did you get some of your ideas from like you know Smoky Mountain and Memphis, Memphis and all that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Smoky Mountain wrestling, in fact, was one of the last uh, living wage territories that they had. I think Smoky Mountain went through maybe to up even up through the later to mid to late nineties, and uh, that was one of the you know the last territories when the wrestling territory system sell to the, you know, cable TV outlets and, you know, the dissolution of boundaries with widespread cable TV options, uh, which is really where our story takes place. In the first issue, we find out that this uh, small wrestling promotion, FFW, run by a, a local legend and long up, uh, you know, famous wrestler started the promotion named Ramblin' Ricky Radisson. He's got a chance to get his program on a major network and they've kind of bet everything on this southern tour so yeah the the tour will uh, be like like a smoky mountain type company or a memphis type company they'll hit their big towns um, memphis atlanta nashville and uh try to impress these tv execs to take their show to the next level
0: How'd you come up with uh high flying Jason Flynn? Did you model that off uh, some of the wrestlers you watched growing up or you just uh decided to come up with something different?
1: Yeah, I absolutely modeled it off a lot of wrestlers I did. Uh it's Jason uh Lynn, L Y N N. And he is uh you know, I decided that he would be a high flyer because he would have been influenced by Lucha Libre. Um, that's where a lot of our high-flying wrestling uh, comes from in the States. You could also say Japan, but uh, Mexico was a shorter drive for him. And I really took a lot of influence from the face-painted wrestlers. Um, guys like Sting, Road Warriors, Demolition, Ultimate Warrior, and then uh, a lot of the action that the Cruiserweights did in the 90s. Um, Juice and Thunder Liger um, Ultimo Dragon and Rey Mysterio to kind of bring that into um, I I think like uh, in 95 Halloween Havoc Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero uh, was the match that really made me love to watch wrestling and when Mad Cave asked me to write an underdog wrestling story I got to thinking about what kind of character I would want for the main hero for the underdog and if he's an underdog in wrestling in the early 90s, he's got to be a smaller guy because it was the land of the dinosaurs back then. You know, you had your guys like Sid Vicious, Big Van Vader, but, you know, the Hulkster was still running wild uh, shortly before the steroid scandal. And he, uh, <laughs> he had to be a smaller guy because he had to be an underdog.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, picking up the first issue myself. Um, I just wanted to see where it all goes and all that. And I just, it it's just appealed to me, you know, just like uh, Headlock Comics did, because there's really not that many wrestling comics out there. And then when I found out about Over the Ropes, it's like, Man, I'll um, have to talk to Jason Sadlin and have him on, and we can talk about you know a comic about wrestling. I mean, Boom Studios is doing WWE, of course, and then you have Headlock. That,
1: that, so when I when that, when Matt Cave asked me to write a wrestling comic, I didn't know much about any other wrestling comics that were out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend told me about Headlock, and I did take a look at some of their artwork and their covers. But I purposefully didn't read any of them because I didn't want to be influenced. Yeah. Um, and I knew that Boom Studios, having the WWE license, was going to be based around actual real life wrestlers. So I decided, okay, I'll make up my own wrestlers. Obviously, because we don't have a license. But you can see that there's, um, you know, there's references to other gimmicks. Yeah. Because wrestling is very unoriginal when you get down to it. When you think about some of the best gimmicks in wrestling, they come typically from movies or just culture, um, even or even just jobs, like a lot of the occupational gimmicks. Guys like the repo man. Uh, when Jason is first given a job in issue one, as a jobber, he is uh, the working man. And I kind of gave him like a, a William Regal he's a man-type construction worker gimmick
0: for that. Oh, yeah. So that's that's pretty cool how you do that because, you know, he wrestles in the ring and then he gets a shoot job like the construction worker. Um, I like where this is going so far. Um, Also, um, let's talk about your artist that's on there with you as well. Antonelli Constantino? Is that how you say his name? Antonio.
1: Yeah, Antonio um, I've not had a lot of interaction with because we work through editors, but he's obviously a super talented guy. Um, I, I usually don't have a, well, I mean, he takes my scripts and he um, figures out the best way to put them on the page and I, he does an excellent job. I've seen uh, the first three issues um, done in coloring and he's working on the layouts as, as of right now for the fourth issue. It's going to be a five-issue series uh, with pre-orders beginning in October and the first issue dropping December 4th. Uh, the best way to find it is to call your local comic shop and ask them to order it for you. Um, that's always the best way to support your local comic shops and indie comic uh, pubs. Uh, you can also get it on, on uh, madcave.com.
0: Hey, that's pretty good. Um, the, the artist that's working with you as well, it, was he like a big wrestling fan too? or?
1: I actually have no idea. We've never had a, co- a real conversation. Uh, we only work through the editors. Mm-hmm. But uh, the editor who worked with me on the book, uh, Gio, the editor-in-chief at Bad Cave, uh was kind of funny. She knew nothing about wrestling, and she told me that up front. She said, I, I really don't know anything about this. Uh, this is kind of a new thing uh, for me, so I'm looking forward to learning about it with you. And as we were going, she was just very surprised by all the things I would put the wrestlers through. Uh, now, granted, you know, one good thing about booking a, a pro wrestling comic book is I don't have to worry about injuries. So I was going for the gimmick matches because I thought there would be a lot of gimmick matches in the book. People, mm-hmm. you know, I think that fits comic books well. Um, Matches like, you know, dog collars, uh, six-man tags, eliminations, steel cage. Um, I, I stopped short of going for, uh, you know, pinatas on a pole like Vince Russo. But I, I thought the gimmick matches would work well for comic books. And there's uh, going to be a dog collar match at one point. And uh, Gio, the editor, she just asked me, she's like, do people really do this? Don't they get hurt? <laughs> and I'm like, yes and yes. And I think I sent her a video of uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and his dog collar matches with uh, Roddy Piper um, and the CM Punk and Raven dog collar matches they had in the early 2000s.
0: And don't forget uh, Pit, uh, Pitbull uh, Gary Wolf as well. He had some pretty famous dog collar matches too.
1: Gotta have a, you gotta have a sore neck the next day after that I'd imagine.
0: You probably do wearing that all the time, um, because uh, wrestlers when they're in the ring, man, they put their body on the line like twenty four seven, day after day, night after night. Yeah, but I, 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 so I may not be a professional wrestler, but watching them do that, you do kind of feel for them, just like how your uh, character is in the comic. Once you, um, the readers, get to know him a little bit more, they get to know
1: him. He is a um, he's young, nineteen. 20 years old. He's living on his own for the first time, but he keeps in touch with his mother throughout the book. Uh, You know, you get some taste of the 90s since he's writing letters, sending telegrams, and using payphones. But he's, you know, definitely close to his mother. His father is another story, and that's going to be um, kind of a recurring theme, uh, you know, in the book is that his father wasn't there for him and has been trying to get in touch with him, but he doesn't want to and there's there's reasons for
0: that oh, I believe it as well and I'm looking forward to it so what uh, influenced you and pursued yourself to be a comic writer
1: I, you know I just I'm a writer I don't really think of myself as a comic book writer it's all writing to me I have read comics um, since I was five or six I probably started with Archie's uh, Sonic the Hedgehog run and moved into Spider-Man i I've been in Spider-Man ever since. Um, it was probably in 2016 that I was reading uh, just a novel that my friend had let me borrow for a trip, because i would always been a big reader, but I-, I read this one novel and just thought to myself, I think I can do this. And it wasn't very good when I first sat down and just started writing and writing, but I was able to take a lot of rejections that came at me for the next two years. And then uh, a year ago, uh, this time last year, it was September 2018, Mad Cave had put uh, out an opening for writers. And they put the posting, they said, if you uh, submit, take one of our existing comics and write a 10-page script set within that comic world. So, Mad Cave has some excellent titles uh, if you've not checked them out yet their flagship title is Battle Cats a uh, medieval fantasy with large cat-like beings it's kind of like Game of Thrones meets uh, the Thundercats uh, I wrote 10 pages of a Battle Cat story that I thought of uh, another one of theirs um, is Knights of the Golden Sun which is some biblical uh, fantasy and I wrote some based on that as well. So I enjoyed writing them, and I thought, you know, I'll send these in. Maybe I'll hear something back, and if not, I'll move on to the next thing. Yes. And I did hear back, and they have also told me that they have been looking at my social media. So, I mean, if you want to be a writer, keep in mind having a social media presence is important, that it's actually vital. And Keep in mind that editors and potential employers will look at it. So don't be a dick, number one, slap nuts. (laughs) And it's also important to be yourself within reason. Uh, That was how they told me. They said, we think you would be good for this wrestling comic we'd like to do. And I said, yeah, I think I would too. (laughs) Um, And and that was the beginning. I've now, uh, I've written three books for Mad Cave. This will be the first, and the other two will be coming out uh, over the course of 2020.
0: Really? So, uh, could you uh, tell me, uh, the titles you're doing for Mad Cave in 2020, um, are they like action, sci-fi, or what? Ooh, now you... (laughs) I'm going to have, let's see, what can I say?
1: Uh, We'll talk about that another time. But yes, I am going to have some more, a lot of action. Um, I've got uh, one that's a lot more um, fighting style oriented, you know, fighting, supernatural, mystical oriented. And then um, the third one, we'll we'll talk about that another time. But yeah, I'd say they're all action and story driven, character driven. That's what Mad Cave really does well, is building character-driven stories. Um, and it's why I've kind of fallen into a natural rhythm with comics. I didn't set out to just write comics, and I'm still working on uh, other works as well. I've got um, some short stories I wrote coming out in some anthologies. They're supposed to come out before the end of the year, and they're not comics. And I've been working on this same novel now for about two years and feel like I'll never finish it. But uh, the comics have been uh, my bread and butter because uh, writing comic script is, um, I guess it's just as natural as taking bumps for a wrestler, which I actually learned to do when I went to uh, wrestling training camp.
0: Oh, you went to wrestling training camp, huh? What pursued you to uh, go to wrestling training camp?
1: Well, my best friend... Read a lot who has read the scripts and I've bounced a lot of ideas off of. Uh, he we had a local promotion here, mm-hmm. and he was an announcer, you know, booker, and uh, part time performer uh, for this local promotion. So I got involved in it through him. Uh, some nights I was selling uh, some gimmicks at a merch table. And there was this one particular night that the show was delayed and the, the announcer came over to the table and just starts, uh, you know, cutting a promo at the table and says, Hey, do you want to give away some merch somehow? And I'm like, yeah, we can do that. And I just got on the mic and cut a promo and said, All right, I've got a WrestleMania 18 DVD here. And whoever the first person is to tell me. Um, who the Undertaker, uh, the, another wrestler that the Undertaker had multiple, uh, streak matches with, uh, will win it. And somebody, you know, tried and said a wrong answer and I'm like, wow, you should really just go home. And I, I was healing it up. I was having fun. I was starting to get some heat. It was nice. And, um, one of the, uh, one of the wrestler's wives said, why don't you come to the training? Cause they kind of need some people with mic skills. And I was like, "Oh well, sure I can." And I'm not going to tell you. I went to training a lot. I went uh, one or two nights, and I I stopped because my uh, she's my wife now, but we were engaged at the time, and she she didn't want me to keep going. But I had a blast, and I I like taking uh, back bumps, front bumps, uh, working on um, some. Let's see, we worked on some power slams. We did the uh, the flare bump in in the, the ring post corner. Which is not that hard to do if you can just get your feet uh, or get your head over your feet or however it is. It kind of flows pretty naturally. Um, I was pretty good at spinning the cat, like Shawn Michaels. You know, his Royal Rumble saves were just kind of pulling himself back up. I, I was able to do that pretty well, so that was a, that was good for the first night they said. But uh, I I was going to keep going with just the announcing part since my I, since training didn't get a blessing. <laughs> from, the, uh, from the better half. So I was going to go uh, practice the uh, announcing and try the announcing. And there was a veteran in the locker room. It was this guy that was just uh, kind of like painted up like this crazy clown. He looked like he was from House of a Thousand Corpses or whatever. And I just happened to be standing next to him. And I just kind of turned and casually said, Oh, how long have you been playing uh, this character here? And the dude just went nuts. He cut a promo on me, just started shouting at me that this was not a character, that this was some uh, extension of himself and that I needed to get the hell out because I was obviously uh, disrespecting him. And I just kind of said, okay, I-, I think I'm done here. <laughs> I went home and I, I think uh, the promotion, um, I don't think it continued very long after that, in that location. I think they had to move around after that, but I didn't stay involved. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would have been, I would have been intimidated by him in that locker room too. I'd be like, I
1: wasn't intimidated, it was stupid. I was just kind of rolled my eyes. It's like, okay, I'm sorry I said anything. Don't worry about it, man. And uh, the guy, you know, this is, unfortunately, the man passed away uh, two or three years later. And my friend did his eulogy and told that story at his funeral
0: oh my goodness and let me guess you probably rode your eyes too <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean I didn't attend the funeral I didn't even know the guy that was our only meeting <laughs> I, I didn't go but um, you know I, I've always loved wrestling on all levels I love it locally I love it indie and I love going to you know the big shows I'm, I'm just as comfortable at a pay-per-view uh, in the Nash, uh, Nashville Bridgestone Arena which is pretty close to me as I am at a you know sparsely attended indie events. I I like the spirit. I like the feel. Um, probably my favorite show I ever went to was uh, back in the fifth grade when uh, he was Psycho Sid came to my town to wrestle our local indie in between one of his WWF and WCW runs at the time. Uh-huh. I got to talk to him afterwards because my dad knew the promoter. I've still got our picture. I'll probably be posting it at some point when the wrestling comic comes out. I remember going up to him, I'm probably 10 or 11. And I I think the first thing I said was like, uh, what's Mr. McMahon really like? And he says, well, he's not as bad as he is on TV, but he's still pretty much an asshole.
0: (laughs) That is funny
1: yeah yeah but he, he was a you know i will say he was a class act he came out after the show and signed for everybody like every kid and it this was just a lanky dink show you know this was not he, he had been world champion and you know worked wrestlemania he didn't have to do that and i, I always that as i got older that, that meant a lot to me that he did that
0: uh, that's that's a great story. And when you were like training at the time, um, you know, before you you know talked to your better half, and then and then if she did let you do it, and if you uh, became an indie wrestler, did you have like a whole uh, character gimmick that you were? Oh, dude, I've
1: spent so much time just coming up with gimmicks. I, I you know one night of training, then several months of coming up with gimmicks. Yeah, um, I was going to be. Uh, uh, Superboy. That was going to be my gimmick because
0: I was so into comics. <laughs> that is pretty cool. And look at you right now, man. Um, you're a big wrestling fan. You're a big comic fan. You're writing a wrestling comic for Mad Cave Studios, man. You're on, t- and plus you uh, went to uh, train to be an indie wrestler. Look at you. You're on top of the world right now.
1: I'm not going to ever claim that I trained to be a wrestler. I'm going to say I went to a clinic. <laughs> I went to, but it was it was valuable because I mean I did get to see what the basics were like in the ring, which is more than mm-hmm. most people get to do. So that did help in writing it because uh, kayfabe is an important theme in the book. That was actually my working title for the book was kayfabe because uh, my favorite type of wrestling. Is the type where the lines are blurred, where maybe you know that this is predetermined, you know that this is scripted, but if something can happen on the show that can make you say, "Hey, maybe that was real. Then it was a really good show." So the with the book, there's going to be a lot of backstage drama. There's uh, crooked promoters. There's family ties. There's uh, you know the spoiled promoter's son. Who is you know getting elevated above all the others on the card and just you know thinks he's hot shit and all that they're doing backstage is you know the real story as opposed to what happens in the ring. They go in the ring and try to work out their um, issues backstage in a way that's still entertaining to the crowd, but you feel a real sense of uh, danger for the characters because you know it's not just a show to them.
0: I like how you're going to that approach as well. And it also, um, I read some of the samples of it as well. It kind of reminds me of an old school feel from back in the day as well, too, which is kind of great.
1: Yeah, it was important to decide when the story would take place. That was probably the first thing I had to choose. And it was originally for me, it was between the 70s and the 90s. And I I, had to go with the 90s because that's what more people associate wrestling with, you know, at this point. Uh, The 70s were cool, too, because, you know, in the 70s you had the territories were in full swing and you had the promoters. And I, I see the wrestling promoters back then as almost like these crime families who would, you know, trade their muscle around for, you know, big scores. Um, when you get to the '90s, there's still some of that territory feel around in '92, but you can see the writing on the wall, and it's definitely on its way out. Which is kind of what leads our, you know, main villain, the promoter, uh, Mister Radisson, to say, you know, he's got to bet everything on trying to get his show uh, to the big time, or he'll go, you know, he'll go the way of the Crockett's. Cowboy Bill Watts, uh,
0: AWA, Gagne, all those. Hey, that's a great way to go. I, I miss those days. I, I, you know, grew up in the old school. Uh, era too. Um, I grew up out in the. I grew up in the eighties and watched wrestling in the eighties, which were also great as the nineties as well. Um, on over the ropes, um, have you been like uh, you and Mad Cave Studios? Have you guys been going like to uh, different conventions and uh, different types of uh, you know festivals to get the book out?
1: Absolutely. I just got back from Dragon Con in Atlanta, and I had a great time. Got to. See uh, Dustin Rhodes, aka Goldust, get photo op with him and exchange a few words before you know he had to move on to others. But uh, he was also very gracious. He is—he's uh, one of those—he's wrest- one of the few wrestlers that seems to just get better with age.
0: I think so as well. And what's your thoughts on today's independent wrestling as well? And also, what's your thoughts about uh, AEW finally going to be on TV once a week?
1: I love it. Uh, I think indie wrestling, and I don't, I don't know why anybody would call it indie. Um, maybe, uh, I'm mean an indie comic, so I guess I, I get it. But indie is just anything that's not the major brands, if that's the definition we're going by. So I, I think that it's great that there's an alternative. Alternatives will make not only you know the wrestling uh, business a place with more jobs for performers to work, it'll make the products work that much harder to be seen. Uh, I think you're going to see that some of these you're hearing about popping up will probably rise and fall pretty quickly. But I really think AEW has the legs, the the capital and the roster to do some very interesting things in the next three to five years. I think so. Uh, nobody saw AEW coming except for the people who were behind it. It just came out of nowhere and we planned this book a year ago and this is an alternative wrestling comic, an indie wrestling an indie comic about wrestling. And now we have a major indie wrestling promotion.
0: Hey, that's pretty. I
1: don't know if you have any connections, but I would really love to get a copy of this book to Cody Rhodes because uh, he's my favorite wrestler in the world right now. Oh,
0: that would be pretty wild. I, I wish I did have the connections like that. The way <laughs> I, I
1: see it is this uh, Cody Rhodes and I are about the same age, and we <laughs> uh, grew up in neighboring states. He's from Georgia, and I'm from Alabama. And we both, you know, about the same time, kind of set out to accomplish a dream. You know, he left WWE I uh, was it 15 or 16, about the same time, I decided I was going to really give this writing thing a try, and we didn't know how it was going to go, and you know, I don't mean to compare myself to him, he's had all the success in the world, <laughs> and I was able to get something out, um, and it was something I loved, so if I ever get to shake his hand and tell him that, so I would, I'd
0: love it. Hey, Hey, I wish I was there to see that. If that happens, that'd be a priceless moment, (laughs) which is pretty cool as well. And then when you were at dragon con, um, was that like your very first, you know, um, con to, uh, you know, promote your book and get it out there. Well, I really did not get to promote my book as much at this
1: con other than just the announcements. Um, it's all a matter of timing. We're really just starting the promotion because the book's coming out in December mm-hmm. and the first advanced review copies weren't out yet at that point. But yes, it I was the first time I got to even talk about having a book. Um, absolutely. It was by far the largest con I've ever attended myself. It was 85,000 people uh, stuck up there in Atlanta.
0: I bet it is. I've never been to Dragon Con, but I've been to, like, you know, New York Con, Comic Con. I've been to San Diego Comic Con and others. But I heard uh, Dragon Con just keeps on getting bigger and bigger every
1: year. This was the biggest year yet. I would like to go to New York Comic Con. I was supposed to go last year, and it's uh, I can't remember why it didn't happen. <laughs> That's another great... time to go now. But, yeah, I was supposed to go last year, and I didn't make it. But uh, I'd like to go there uh, at some point. After Dragon Con, I'm definitely not
0: up for going to New York Comic Con this soon, though. Oh, why? Because it'll be just as big? It
1: might be even bigger, yeah.
0: It it may. (laughs) That's pretty wild. Um, Another question I asked my guest here on uh, WrestlePopcast is, um, if you can change anything about pro wrestling and uh, how fans see it, what would you change?
1: This might be controversial, but in my opinion, I would change the uh, rosters. Uh, I would change up how the roster is scheduled and stagger the performers a bit because many performers, their TV ages make them seem much older than they actually are, Uh, especially after someone has been on TV continuously for a long period of time. It, it, in addition to giving them a break and letting them come back fresh with a storyline you know, specifically for them, it's also going to, in the long run, give them more longevity for their career. Uh, you know, in these old days, you and I were talking about you know, the 70s and 80s. If you didn't work, you didn't get paid. And that's not the case anymore. Now you have a downside and a guarantee to your contract, in theory, if you're working for, you know, say, WWE. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, um, so you can avoid situations like you know Sasha Banks, when she got to the point where she just said she was burnt out, she just didn't feel hyped up about wrestling anymore. If it, it was built into her contract that she works, say, nine out of 12 months of the year, And there are three of those months. They could be all at once or they could be spread throughout where she gives her face a rest for a while um, and then comes back as part of a larger storyline. If all of the roster did that, I just, I think it would keep you guessing a lot more. You don't really know who's going to be coming back because you would stagger everybody's breaks. So you always keep, uh, you know, a strong roster. And then you get more mileage out of your performers. Um, I, I would also organize. Uh, I would change the uh, travel system to maybe, um, especially for the lower car people who are often having to, you know, share rental cars and drive three to five hundred miles, you know, after uh, a TV show. I, I think it would be worth the investment to come up with a better system you know get them drivers get them buses with some leg room um kind of like they do on full tours i I know that it would cost a lot but i I really think that's almost a a, a well-being thing i'm surprised there aren't more uh you know traffic related fatalities for wrestlers uh like junkyard dog you know fell asleep driving and passed away wouldn't mean to be such a downer with that suggestion but that's just something that's been on my mind for a long time in um, reading Brett Hart's book um, I, I like reading all the wrestlers biographies and Brett's is probably my favorite uh, he wrote about how he felt like the you know the, the calendar and the schedule if, if he didn't have a driver at some point that he just you know may have been one of the people to fall asleep and just beer
0: off the road at some point Oh yeah, that usually happens too. Um, like, but back in the old days, and to prevent that, they would get like four or five wrestlers that would travel together. So where they would take turns driving, which they did as well.
1: Yeah, I I think we could do better than that. I think give you know it's also a a, a body issue. You know, maybe give them uh, some leg room, give them a, a ride, and you know you'll. It it may cost more, but again, I think you would get more life out of uh, the wrestlers. Because the guys who make it the biggest in the wrestling business, when they really make some money, their big purchase is they buy themselves buses. And, you know, I I think I was on Randy Orton's uh, documentary when he talked about getting his bus. He said, you know, this bus is really an investment in my knees. (laughs) (laughs) And By help, by sanity a bit, and it's, uh, you know, it's the first thing they get when they really hit it big. I think, you know, Triple H, Big Show, Cena, Orton, um, maybe CM Punk had a bus. Did Punk have a bus? I think he did. I
0: really I didn't know that. Wow! But <laughs> be wrong
1: about that. Don't quote me on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So just have like a, a punk mobile shaped like a microphone and call it the pipe bomb. <laughs> oh, that, I,
0: I like that as well. So when you're not, you know, wrestling comic, <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting wrestling comic too. And speaking of that, you know, Punk loves comics too. CM Punk was writing a little bit of comics for a bit too.
1: Punk has written several comics that I've read. I have really enjoyed his work um, on Thor. Uh, he wrote a Thor comic, and he's written some others that I wanted to check out. I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that he would read minds uh, about wrestling since he doesn't seem to really enjoy getting into the product anymore since <laughs> he's moved on to other things, and I wish him well on all of that uh, he might like my next one, though. So we'll
0: have to see. I know, and I'll definitely have to have you come uh, back on in 2020. We can discuss that. <laughs>
1: we'll be dropping the announcement about the next one. I would think that would actually be in December. So just mark that. Yeah, it, it, it may even be earlier than that. So we'll,
0: we'll see. Yeah, um, how I got into uh, Mad Cave Studios um Uh, reading uh, their comic which was Battle Cats which you talked about earlier Um, that was my first Mad Cave Studios book I got into and I loved it Um, I picked up the first-ish issue when i was at c2e2 in uh, chicago and they had a you know big mad cape studios area and you know i I always like to you know uh look for um different cool uh like indie titles i mean i'm a big dc fan as well but i also like my independent titles so i was trying to find something new and fresh and i went up to him and was like hey this battle cats is you know pretty cool so ever since then, I've been reading the Battle Cats. And then when I found out um, Over the Ropes was coming out, I was like, that got me interested as well, because like we talked about earlier, um, I also read uh, Headlock Comics, too. I mean, which is good, too. But when I found out about your book and um, read a little bit more about it, it got it got more of a attention for me, you know, like in the 90s old school style. And I was like, you know something, this book. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be a great read and, you know, and I hope it ends up getting like really popular and where we can get like many more uh, issues in the future uh, about High Flyer Jason.
1: That is the hope. Uh, Jason is, uh, he is, um, comes from a wrestling background, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that takes place before the main story. And in the first issue, he goes on this blind date Mm-hmm. And, you know you talk about old school I was trying to think of one if I could in, you know, take 90's wrestling in one picture you know off stage what would it be mm-hmm. and what came to mind immediately was the picture of The Rock wearing that black turtleneck Zuba pants and the fanny pack Yep. so I, he was going in the first issue this isn't really a spoiler it's already out in previews but he goes on a date And he dresses like that. He tries to be something that he's not. And his date tells him, you know, if you want some free advice, stop trying to be something else. And that's when he takes the plunge and gets his previous wrestling persona back. And he becomes the Phoenix.
0: I like the name to that. That is cool. The Phoenix. I
1: wrote. I, I wrote him. Uh, I, I can't write music, but I wrote some lyrics to uh, some entrance, uh, an entrance theme. I wrote for him. <laughs> He's. Um He's pretty. Uh, he's fleshed out in my mind, so uh, hopefully you'll
0: see that on the page. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Well, since, um, since um, you know, uh, besides you know, you know, writing, you know, doing your short stories, writing comics, and you know, enjoying you know, um, you know, pro wrestling as well. What do you like to do on your spare time when you do have spare time? my podcast takes up a lot of my spare time
1: uh, my podcast is what happens next versus where we have the best uh fictional debates for uh superhero and fictional character battles uh we just posted an episode with let's see we've recently we've had uh, homelander versus brightburn dr fate versus loki constantine versus dr strange and uh, recently, we did Dewey Griffin from Family Guy versus Huey from The Boondocks. <laughs>
0: that is wild. I would love to. I would love to see uh, um, Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory take on Brightburn. That'd be kind of cool. Dexter, yeah, Dexter. You know, he. You'd he, have to give him some serious prep time.
1: You'd have to give him, you know, his laboratory because he, he's not a fighter. Um, so he'd have to really plan on what to do, but you know, he can he's capable of some serious miracles. Uh for our Huey and Stewie episode, we brought on a special guest moderator it was Rodney Barnes, uh who was one of the head writers for the Boondocks.
0: Oh, awesome. I'll definitely have to check that one out. Um, Speaking of Boondocks, um, did you hear that uh, HBO Max is going to be getting uh, 24 new episodes of the Boondocks?
1: I did. I read that it's going to be called a reboot, which I don't really see a reason to reboot it because the characters are pretty. Yeah. And uh, I saw the artwork, and the artwork doesn't really look a whole lot different from the previous series. So I don't know if it's a continuation. Or what? But I'll definitely check it out. I'm a huge fan of the Boondocks. Um, the last season they did, not so great, but um, I'm hoping they, you know, kind of get back to the back to formula with the new one. I, I don't know if it's going to be the same voice actors or not, but I hope it is.
0: I hope so, too, because I really did enjoy that series as well. And I also read, you know, the comic strip, too, which was, you know, pretty good, too. So I'm looking forward to that. I mean, that kind of got me happy a little bit about um, getting some more boondocks. (laughs) For sure. Um, And also another strip I used to read as well. Now they're thinking about doing the cartoon of it as well. I was reading up What's the Far
1: Side? Yeah, I Far Side, I heard, is coming back. I don't know about any live action, but I know they're making some cartoons. My favorite comic strip of all time will will always be Calvin and Hobbes.
0: Oh, gosh, I miss that comic book series. I mean, the, the comic strip series. I bought the whole, uh, you know, complete, you know, companion of it where he brought everything out and then uh, put it in all in one big book. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've got a lot of those books. Um, you know, their creator had said there would never be any cartoons or any live-action ad- live adaptations. That just wasn't what he wanted for it. And it's obviously his decision, but uh, I wish he hadn't because I, I think it really hurt Calvin and Hobbes in becoming as culturally relevant as it really could have been for as long. Um, you know, the thing about art is it's something that you may begin... But true art is always continued beyond the creator. He didn't want it to go beyond his vision for it, and that's all well and good. Someday it probably will be picked up and carried further, just because that, that's the fate of all, you know, quote, good art. And that would be my hope for this book as well, for Over the Ropes and anything else I'm writing. Uh, any. Creators should hope that their work outlives them, even though it means handing it off to somebody else at some point, Uh, whether it's, you know, posthumously after you pass away or, you know, while you move on to other projects. So if we're starting something here with Over the Ropes and maybe it goes further, uh, maybe eventually we'll be writing stories up in the, you know, up
0: in the present day. (laughs) Hey, that'd be pretty, that'd be pretty good. Um, like I said, um, I'm looking forward to this as well. Um, so uh, where else can they also find you on social media too the, if they want to follow you and see what's going to be happening with uh, Over the Ropes and, you know, Mad Cave Studios and all that great stuff?
1: Well, follow Matt Cave Studios for sure. They do a lot on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter is great, at Mad Cave Studios. I know that in October... Uh, the Mad Cave accounts and my own account at underscore whn. We will be having some giveaways for copies of the book, so keep an eye on that and snag one. But if you want to support indie comics, please go to your local comic shop and ask them to order Over the Ropes from Mad Cave Studios and any other Mad Cave Studios titles you might want to check out.
0: I will definitely be um, getting that on my poll list at my local comic book store. It'll be right up there with my battle cats. <laughs> well, you
1: are a uh, a king of Lawler proportions. <laughs>
0: hey, that's right. I, I mean, I love my battle cats. And then for a while, the comic store I was going to quit, you know, getting them. So I had to go uh, order online at uh, Midtown Comics in New York to get my battle cat <laughs> grave. A oh, <good> choice. <laughs> yes. And also, I have a feeling that, uh, you know, Midtown Comics will probably end up picking up over the ropes, too. But I'm going to definitely work on uh, at my comic book store to get get over the ropes so people can check it out as well.
1: That'd be amazing Um, if you get uh, their info to uh, Mad Cave they'll send them uh, some nice
0: press packets and swag and all that good stuff so so if I uh, hit up Mad Cave uh, Studios I can tell them hey um, um, I can tell them about a couple comic book stores and they'll send some samples oh
1: yeah they'd
0: love that I will definitely do that I got a couple uh, comic book stores in mind I'm gonna do that you know <laughs> okay That'd be amazing. I think it would be, you know, like great. And also... I'll be,
1: uh, visiting some comic shops over the next couple of months to, uh, you know, get some uh, review copies and hopefully have some signings as well.
0: Hey, you know, some, that'd be pretty awesome. I hope you do some over here in the Midwest like in Ohio. Hint, hint. <laughs> Be nice. I mean, I've never been there before. Yeah, Ohio has the um, best uh, Midwest wrestling, the greatest promotions out here. And there's a lot of big names that came from the Midwest that you see on AEW and WWE and Ring of Honor and all those great places.
2: Awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I live outside of Cincinnati and that's where um, Dean Ambrose or, you know, John Moxley's from. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, man. Had to marry Renee. Oh, I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. And like I said, thank you so much for coming off your busy schedule, to come on here and uh, talk about your comic over the ropes. And it was great talking pro wrestling, comics, and all that great stuff in the world of pop culture.
2: We'll do it again.
0: I'll definitely will have you on. And everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. You can follow Wrestle Podcast at. Podcast City Network at PodcastCity.net. And you can follow me at uh, Twitter at WPopCast1. Facebook at WrestlePopCast1. And you can follow me on Facebook at Robin Nelson. And you can follow me on Spotify, iHeart, and Apple Podcasts. Everybody have a great evening.
1: What's
2: up, podcast listeners? This is Jargo from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, as well as HTM Sports, right here on the HTM Podcast Network. Listen, if you love Robin's show, then chances are you'll enjoy ours as well. We talk a lot of Ring of Honor, New Japan, MLW, AEW, NXT, WWE, you name it, we've got you covered. So hit that subscribe button. Be sure that you catch the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, the weekly flagship, right here on the HTM Podcast Network.
0: Good evening everybody, this is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast, And my special guest tonight is She's a pro wrestler, an author, a musician And she is the daughter of Rowdy Rowdy Piper And an actress, Teal Piper, how's it going?
2: I'm doing great, how are
0: you? Pretty good man, so um, how's your weekend so far? And you've been a pretty busy lady lately
2: Yeah, it's been, you know, we're shooting for WOW Women of Wrestling and getting ready for the uh, live matches at the Belasco Theater this week, so it's been busy for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're going to be making your uh, debut with uh, WOW on September 18th and 19th in um, LA. Yes,
2: yes, it's been very exciting. Uh, It's been quite the whirlwind of a summer.
0: I bet it is So um, How excited are you To be part of a You know A great promotion And what's it like uh, Working with the ladies Of the roster In the locker room
2: <laughs> um, You know It's really exciting it's a great place To train um, You know I, uh, Selena Majors Is the head trainer there And she is just Incredible to work with And has been very Understanding of the Steep learning curve I need to be on And the expectations People have for me And such So you know, it's been great. The locker room, you know, I'm not always in there with the same girls. Um, you know, it, it's competitive like any locker room, but it's uh, they're also talented and focused. You know, everyone's very excited for their matches coming up. So, you know, I'm excited to watch them.
0: Really? And um, so, how pumped are you when you get a chance to get in a ring at WoW as well?
2: <laughs> I cannot wait for my first one on one match. I don't believe i'm gonna have one this week but i am gonna be doing some other stuff that you guys will see uh, but um I'm, I'm really pumped you know i did not realize when i said i was going to get into wrestling just how much i would love it and i am having the last train you know because i'm sadistic and apparently I hate myself i'm actually enjoying wrestling and getting hurt uh but it is fun it is super fun and it's just been like uh A surreal experience, because it's something I didn't do for so long, you know?
0: So, is there any uh, women on the WOW Superheroes roster you wouldn't mind getting in the ring with?
2: Oh, so many, so many. Uh, Tessa Blanchard, I mean, she's a phenomenal talent, and, you know, she's a legacies kid, and, you know, I think I would love to work with her in the ring and just kind of see where I'm at, you know, and, and maybe... Maybe have a little legacy match there. That would be really cool. Um, Steffi Slays is another one that I've I've seen work and I think would be fun to get. I mean, right now, where I'm at in my career, there's so many people I want to get in the ring with because I really want to see how I stand up against these people, you know, and where my skill level is at. So maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little competitive, but I'm pretty geared up for a lot of people.
0: That's pretty good as well. Another question I'm going to ask you, too, is I know you have your own in-ring style and um, the way how you present yourself in the ring. So are you going to go a different way than um, being, like, overshadowed by your father?
2: I hope to. You know, I'm I'm still... I think my style's still going to be developing over the next year or so, maybe getting more refined. Um, but I... You know, I hope to make my own footprints. I keep telling people I'm not trying to fill my dad's shoes. Nobody can ever do that. And I don't think that there's any longevity in a career as Roddy Piper's kid, you know. And so I I hope to make my own name and make my own uh, impressions upon fans that are different than what my dad's was.
0: That's pretty good as well. And also, um, do you uh, have you perfected your own finisher yet?
2: I'm... I'm working on finishers. I don't have one that I've picked yet. At least, you know, I don't want to say which ones I'm thinking about until I get in the ring and show people. But, you know, I I definitely have been looking at them and and, uh, working on various ones, trying to figure out which one I think is going to be the best fit for me.
0: That's pretty good as well. Um, Let's talk about uh, AEW All Out, where you were in the uh, Battle Royal. Um, What was that like coming out to a huge audience over at the Sears Center in Chicago. How were you feeling when you were walking down that aisle?
2: <laughs> that was absolutely crazy. You know, most wrestlers, their first match I was like 20 people. Uh, so no pressure at all for me. That was my first match. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I got kicked out pretty quickly. But, hey, not not the worst. You know, I'll, I'll do better next time. I, I definitely learned some stuff. Coming out was super just nostalgic for me because everyone gave me this huge pop like they did for my dad, and it was really sweet of them. And I felt like I could just turn around and he would have just come out, you know?
0: Oh, that's that pretty
2: – was just oh. really cool and gave me a nice confidence boost as I walked down to my impending doom of 21 women.
0: <laughs> hey, that was good. I watched that as well. Um, I was talking to uh, a, a fan of mine on Twitter. And um, he wanted me to ask you this question. When you were in the Royal Rumble, it, um, it seemed like you weren't in there that long and disappeared. And it seemed like you weren't really eliminated. He was hearing uh, Jim Ross even saying that, that you weren't eliminated. And the next thing you know, you were just weren't in the ring. Well, uh, the camera,
2: you know, there's, there's a lot going on. But if you, if you rewatch it, I was eliminated. Uh, awesome Kong threw me out over the middle rope and i got back in and immediately odb caught me out i don't think she cared for the eye poke so i did get i did get eliminated um yeah unfortunately that,
0: yeah, that's pretty good I, I just had to ask that question there was a bunch of people asking that they're like well ask Till," and i was like i will man you guys need to calm down
2: if <laughs> you rewatch, I i you can see in the background of like they, the camera switched focus for a moment and that's when i got eliminated
0: Okay, I'm going to definitely have to check that as well because I've been having so many people asking me that. So, um, you know, that's why I wanted to ask you here on this podcast tonight to, to get the real answer. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Also, when your father passed away, uh, you and your brother uh, finished his latest book, Roddy. Um, was that pretty hard for you and your brother to finish his uh, latest book after he passed away?
2: That was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do you know he um it was kind of contractually obligated somebody in the family needed to finish it and you know they reached out to me and I immediately brought my brother on board just to be, you know knew so many people in the wrestling world at the time that I didn't know and you know had other sides of dad's life that he could help me with so we kind of you know tag teamed on the book and it was You know, it was surreal. There were all these interviews Dad had done. We had a lot of it on tape and stuff where he went back because he didn't remember a lot of his past life. And so he would go back and talk to people and try to get their story of what happened because he wasn't really sure. And so it was just, it it gave us a good direction as to where he wanted to go with the book. Um, But ultimately we decided to uh, tell it from our point of view and narrating it as us rather than his narration because that just seemed weird even though he had written some of it already. But it was it was very hard. It was also something that I think helped force us to deal with his death as well. And in the end, I think it was a positive experience. You know, we're very glad we did it.
0: That's pretty good. Um, I read the book and it was actually pretty good. And you know, I kind of felt.
1: Thank
0: you. Yeah, I kind of uh, felt it how you guys were writing. And I know it was you and your brother writing the rest of it. And it just felt like I was feeling it too. You know, feeling the sad loss of your father as well. When I was you know reading the ending of the book and that as well. Yeah
2: yeah well thank you we worked very hard on that I mean he was such an interesting person there could have been five books about him I swear
0: (laughs) (laughs) what's the most memorable moment um, you you did with your father Uh, something I know you probably have lots of them but what's one that really sticks with you and you go back and think about it uh, the greatest thing you ever you know did with your father wow you know
2: we did so much together I had you know it's one of those things where it's like the little things are the greatest things um for me it was just we spent a lot of time together and I just missed hanging out with him you know uh we used to watch a lot of documentaries and talk about supernatural things and YouTube weird stuff and stay up all night like debating things and that's for me what I missed I mean I don't know if I would use the word greatest thing because you know, I don't know if you're referring to like an accomplishment or something, but I just miss hanging out with him. You know, he, he was one of those people that made you feel like like you could have a bad day and he you would come out after you saw him and just feel like you were on top of the world. Like he really, he was really good at like manipulating people's personalities and their moods and everything. That's probably why he made a great career out of it, you know, but it was really, really something special about hanging out with him.
0: That's pretty awesome as well. You also have have a Hollywood background as well. Um, you were in some um, cheesy uh, horror flicks.
2: Cheesy? How dare you! It's shocking. They, I didn't get any Oscars out of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've done a lot of bad horror movies. I love horror. I love sci-fi. I love comedy. Uh, I would do a hundred more of those. You know, it's something that I don't think I'll ever stop doing necessarily I right now my focus is the ring and training but you know I always have a big passion for film and obviously I got a lot of that from my dad and we used to spend a lot of time acting and working on the craft and auditions together and it's definitely something that that he was heavily involved with in my life
0: as well as your dad was heavily involved with your life and your acting craft so has it helped you uh when you do some uh, promos and mic skills in the ring
2: absolutely. I think it made me more uh, just obviously comfortable in front of the camera and less inhibitions and such stuff like that. Um, you know, and he, he used to always say acting is implosion and wrestling is explosion, so I try to remember that, kind of exaggerate a little bit more in the ring, but, you know, ultimately, Teal Piper is, is me. It's just another side of me. It's just like the the side of me I don't show people often, and so it's, it's really fun to be in the ring and be doing wrestling without consequences you know you can kind of let out that
0: crazy side of yourself that's pretty that's pretty cool and i'm looking forward to you know seeing you get in the ring and you know um getting there like you talked about tessa blanchard that'd be worth seeing as well and you know i wouldn't mind seeing you get in the ring with an amber o'neill that would be exciting yeah i um that
2: would be exciting i briefly met her once and uh yeah, she's a, she would be a great one to be in the ring with. I'd... I, like I said, right now I'm so excited because I haven't had <laughs> a many matches, but I just kind of want to have matches with everybody
0: you want to go around and take out the whole indie scene don't you you want to be the power- I, do, I do
2: i'm way too gung-ho about this it's dangerous
0: oh <laughs> i can see that you're like okay i'm with wow but i want to go out and dominate some more women's wrestling as well here comes teal <laughs>
2: absolutely i'm just doing everything i can to learn and as much as i can to be as good of a wrestler as, as possible and you know, I'm 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 excited to see
0: what all I can do out there right now. Yeah, and um um also, what's your thoughts about when uh, Ronda wore your uh, dad's jacket at the uh, Royal Rumble in 2018?
2: You know, I thought that was incredible. She um I was actually there; it was the first time I met her in person, and it was just really neat to see the Rowdy name as a main event again, and let alone as. The first female main event for WrestleMania, you know, that was really, really cool. Um, I just think that she, she's done so much. I became a fan of hers when she did MMA. You know, she made me a fan of MMA, I should say. And so it was really neat when she switched over to wrestling for her to want to tribute our dad in such a way. And I just thought that was cool. Very
1: cool.
0: Yes. Um, another question to ask you as well is, do you think one of your uh, um, regrets is that your father won't get the chance to see you uh, shine in the ring?
2: I don't have a lot of regrets in my life. I've always just kind of done what I want to do when I was. <laughs> but um, that is by far my biggest regret and just not, you know, there's so many things that I wish I could ask him right now at this stage in my career and, so many questions and so it's, it's painful not to have them around and it's frustrating to have them as your dad and then get into it to wait to actually get help with all this you know but i guess everyone has regrets i don't know
0: <laughs> exactly um you also have a musical background as well you're coming out with an album this year
2: I am. Um, so, my first single, Amber Rise, is already on iTunes. Uh, it, it's kind of special to me because of the person I wrote it about, but also the harmonica in it, I actually was able to sample from Dad playing live, because he plays the harmonica, and uh, so that's what you hear in the song, which I thought was, which made it uh, very special for me. Um, my next song, Animity, will be released in October so I hope you guys check it out it's definitely been a big passion project of mine the whole my whole life but you know right now it's on the back runner a little bit while I'm in the ring because that has to be my focus if I want to be a good
0: wrestler exactly as well <laughs> I totally agree with you because um, this is a big deal for you too um I know when you were younger and all that, your dad was always on the road and, you know, you were around, you know, the family business as well. And at first, um, you weren't even thinking about, you know, getting in pro wrestling. And then later on, what influenced you? What decided you to finally get into the ring, into the family business? I think
2: there was a couple of things. For one, I... You know, I, I often said I wasn't interested, but that was sort of something I said because I knew if I even opened that door a little bit, I would kind of be forced into it, and I wasn't ready for something like that. So I didn't want to give people the impression I was going to look into wrestling ever. But it wasn't until he passed and we worked on the Rowdy, uh, Roddy Piper story, and it was, you know, just seeing his passion for the sport and everything like in the '70s and the '80s and his journey to become rowdy rowdy piper and like i wanted to see what it is what it was that made him so excited and passionate about it and get a sliver of what it was like to live his life and sort of connect with him more and so that's when i really started thinking about it seriously and then once i got in the ring and actually started training i realized i had a much bigger love for it than i realized i was going to have
0: that's pretty good as well. Since you're busy, you know, training to be a wrestler and, you uh, you know, like acting and being a musician and you were an author and all that, what does Teal Piper actually enjoy if she has any, like, relaxation time? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, obviously I play guitar and piano and I write music and that's a big, uh, like, I do other stuff though, like I do stupid things like adult coloring books i'm like terrible at it but like can barely color in the lines but i still like it um and i'm big into animals i do an obscene amount of charity work especially for a bunny love rabbit resource center in van Ives. um just because it i don't know i got i started work, volunteering there and now i'm like always <laughs> there that's actually where i'm going to do this we're done so i love to do charity work and help animals as well
0: oh that's pretty fun um Helping animals, it's usually good, you know, doing charity for animals as well.
2: Well, they're so much better than people, you know?
0: (laughs) So you'd rather hang out with a bunch of animals than people.
2: (laughs) Yes, I absolutely would. No offense, but most of y'all are (laughs) jerks.
0: So do you have any pets as well?
2: I do. I have two cats and two rabbits. And I would have a million more if I wasn't, uh, if I could. (laughs) I'm always on the verge of becoming an animal hoarder
0: <laughs> that's pretty awesome so uh what what's your thoughts on independent wrestling today?
2: I think it's an incredibly exciting time to be in the wrestling industry there's so many options you know you have new Japan and you have wow women of wrestling and then you have aew, which is obviously a huge huge new company and it's you know there's just so much so many options and I think it's helping bring the level of show higher you know all of these companies are putting on better and better and better shows you know not i don't want to say to compete but just you know it's inspiring i think all the way up to wwe you know that's making them want to deliver better and better products and um so i think it's a really exciting time obviously wow women of wrestling uh have an infinity towards for the aspect that they've been pushing women they've had them in the front main eventers for a lot longer than any of these other companies have and you know that's been David McLean's agenda for 20 years now and so it's really exciting to be a part of something that is that um, passionate about showing off women athletes and definitely a big part of why I wanted to sign with them but all in all I hope to do, I hope to get a good tour of every you know small indie companies all the way up to the big ones like I don't want to limit myself in any way I'm very excited to you know play the field and all of it I I love going to the small wrestling shows as well if you go to any of those in Los Angeles I might be in the audience with you
0: That's pretty good as well. Um, I live in the Midwest, but, um, you know, I grew up out in the West Coast as well most of my life in the Midwest. And if you ever decide to, you know, venture out into independent wrestling, you should come out to the Midwest. I mean, they got a lot of great wrestling and promotions out here. And there's a lot of, you know, big names that came from the Midwest that you see at AEW and WWE and all those. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Like I said, like right now, I'm I'm appreciating every opportunity that's handed to me. I'm just sort of taking it. Opportunity by opportunity and trying to focus on training, first and foremost, because, you know, I, I am still relatively new to this. Um, and, you know, so I'm trying not to take anything for granted. But as I progress, you know, I would love to venture out and see more things. But I don't ever see myself not being a part of Wow Women of Wrestling. Um, I, I feel very happy and proud to be a part of their companies. I hope to, regardless of indie shows and other companies I end up working with, be with them for a while.
0: That's pretty good as well. And then when you finally step into the ring in a wow ring for the very first time, what will you be thinking when you get in the ring? I mean, you got all this training by Selena, you know, Majors, which is good because she goes back all the way to the Moolah days. So when you finally get in the ring, what are you going to be thinking? And <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, I don't know until I get in the ring. I'll tell you this, at AEW, I was like, why would I take a match with so many other girls in it? I was <laughs> like oh my gosh um, but it was you know I think I, I'm very excited like I said to see what I'm capable of mm-hmm. and um, ah, you know it's going to be so surreal to be in the ring I think I'll mostly just be trying to focus on what I know in my trainings and not try to you know try not to overthink it or over hype it up because I feel like that's when people start to mess up you know you just got to go in there and do what you know
0: I totally agree with you as well. Another question I'm going to ask you, I always ask this to my guests that come on here is, um, if you can change anything about pro wrestling and how fans perceive it, what would you change?
2: You know, it is one of the most unique uh, shows that you can watch. It combines sports and entertainment, but I wouldn't call it sports entertainment either because these people are athletes, and, you know, sometimes you hear that wrestling is fake, And I got to say, the more I'm doing it, the more I don't understand where that comes from. Uh, I think uh, anybody who says that probably hasn't spent a lot of time in a ring actually doing it. But I would like I would hope that people um, get out there and watch shows and support women of wrestling Um, are there on Access TV on Saturday nights right now with their new season. You know, that company has really overcome a lot be there and is doing so much and putting women in such a positive light and just, you know, appreciate the athleticism. I mean, I think these are some of the best athletes the world has to offer. You know, it's it's really, really spectacular and then on top of it, to add in, you know, their characters and all of that, it's a very unique business and show that you'll never, you don't get in any other place in the world is in wrestling.
0: I totally agree with you, too. Um, I like to go to a show where there's like a great storyline in a a wrestler I can invest in and come back, you know, every week going, I want to see what this person does next.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It's it's very, it's a very exciting product. And uh, the more I'm doing it, the more I'm in love with it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's pretty awesome as well um, you know speaking of since you were a musician as well and you earlier you were talking about your dad was a uh, you know dabbled in a little bit of music as well um, back then did you ever um, think about doing a duet or a music project with him when he was alive
2: oh absolutely I mean we as young as I can remember we would play guitar and piano and sing together and all sorts of stuff um, some of my first memories are doing that with him and you know, a lot of people didn't know that, but he was a really good musician. He could just pick up any instrument and play by ear. And um, obviously, he was great at the bagpipes as well. But um we had hoped that uh, we would work on, we had all these ideas for the album. He was going to do a duet, or we would do a cover. Or, we weren't exactly sure what, but we were constantly talking about it, and I was just kind of making sure that I was far enough in the process that I wouldn't, like, just bring him in and waste his time, because I was producing a lot myself as well and wanting to you know, make sure that I was putting out good stuff before I bothered him with it. And I really regret waiting
0: that long. <laughs> hey, that would have been good if you guys really did something. That probably would have went on the airwaves real quick.
2: <laughs> I don't know, but I, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a bummer. There's so much I wanted to do with
0: him. <laughs> oh, that's all right. So um, where do you see yourself with WoW at the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020?
2: I think the beginning of 2020 is going to be very exciting. Um, you know, I kind of joined WOW in the middle of this season, so it's you know they kind of are like I'm training and I'm learning and they're putting uh, and I'm being inserted in where where I can. But I think that you'll, you'll as you watch the show, you'll get a flavor for. I'm just, it's going to be quite the nice setup for 2020. Um, and if you come to the Velasco Theater on the 18th and 19th in mm-hmm. downtown LA, you'll see. You know, you'll, you'll get to see me there and it's, uh, I'm excited. You know, I think uh, I don't, I don't, I have a lot of matches to go through before I'm going to get a championship belt. I have to start at bo- the bottom and work my way up to that kind of match, but man, I'm i am excited.
0: <laughs> so, uh, do you have any surprises for the fans as well when you finally get in the ring? What do you think they're going to suspect of Teal Piper? I
2: mean, it wouldn't be a surprise if I told everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, come on. You can say something
2: Say it like I'm not going to come out and my dad kills or anything like that. I think that'd be disrespectful. Um, I think he'd want me to, you know, do my own thing and not just, you know, mooch off of being his kid or whatever. So, you know, expect me to do my own thing. And hopefully you guys like it or hate it. I don't really care which. Just yell at me either way. Be loud about it. Uh, and Yeah, uh, I don't know.
0: (laughs) So, um, is your brother Colt? He's is he going to be be out there and support you as well?
2: Uh, He will not be here for the Velasco show. Um, We have been talking though, and he's definitely been throwing some pointers my way. And you know, I don't know. He might get back into wrestling. I don't know. He's he's definitely excited about it again now that now that I'm doing it.
0: (laughs) I know. It's kind
2: of a dream of mine for Colt and I to do a brother sister tag team like a
0: personal goal so we'll see oh that would be pretty awesome i would love to see you know colt get back in the ring you guys uh become a tag team and who knows win some titles
2: (laughs) wouldn't that be awesome i want
0: to do it colt probably does too he's like dang it if you're going to do it i'm going to get back into it again (laughs)
1: yeah
0: (laughs) so uh till where can everybody find you on social media so they know what you're going to be doing next and also you know wow women's of wrestling
2: yeah, so Teal Piper on Instagram and Facebook at Ariel Teal on on Twitter, um, and go check out www. That's the Women of Wrestling's website. Uh, if you want to come to any of the shows, or just see, you know, where you can catch um, any of the future stuff, or the, you know, access TV on Saturday nights, and you know, just support them. It's, it's going to be an exciting adventure, and I'm very very happy to be a part of it.
0: And also, where can we get some of your cool merchandise, like your tees?
2: Yeah, ProWrestlingTees.com. Look up Teal Piper, and I have t-shirts out, which are so exciting. I keep telling people I'm going to mark out so hard on anybody I keep wearing them. Like, I'm so excited about my t-shirts. And so do check that out.
0: <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, I, like the, I like the design of your t-shirt. It, it kind of it has a retro feel to it.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I kind of wanted to nod to my Gadlove logo, but I also wanted to make it my own. And I think in general, I'm a kind of a retro person. I love the old school wrestling days. I love that style. You know, I love older, older music. So it, it seemed to fit me and my personality.
0: Hey, I I definitely see that in 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 you, um, the retro feel as well. And like I said, I'm looking forward to you know finally see you get in the ring and see where Teal Piper goes all the way in 2020. I'm I'm excited, and I know everybody else is excited to see uh, what you can do. Well, thank you. I'm excited
2: to see what I can do too. I'm dying to get in and have my first solo match.
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome as well. I'm looking forward to And like I said, thank you so much for coming out of your busy schedule to come onto my podcast tonight.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate
0: it. Oh, I thought this was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. And you can follow Wrestle Podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you can follow me at Twitter. At W Popcast One, and you can follow me, you know, at Facebook at WrestlePopcast One. And everybody have a great evening.